morning. Good morning. Ain't it a great morning outside? Had enough rain lately? <laughs> hey, y'all, I'm Horticulture Cell Rushing, and this is Mississippi Public Broadcasting's weekly garden program we call the Gestalt Gardener. Our producer is awesome, Java Chapman, and we're going to have fun for the next hour or so talking about gardening. Coming up in today's mid-August garden party, I'll give you a heads up on some stuff you can be doing in this somewhat miserable summer weather. Share a few interesting emails, but most of we are live here at MPB. Got some cheesy music coming up in about 30 minutes, but I'm going to be talking with you in real time about what's going on or not in your own garden. So I broke up, folks. Sit back and join us to take a few minutes of news, and we'll be back with this Mississippi Public Broadcasting Garden Party. We're going to get dirty. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. Again, horticulture is still rushing, and we're talking about gardening for the next hour or so. Hey, Java, have you had enough rain this week or what? Every day, Felda, every day. <laughs> well, you know, my my garden loves it. I don't, I don't mind telling you. I don't water stuff except container plants, and I got a fella coming by uh, every couple of weeks just to check on those. But other than that, you know, this is what keeps us from being West Texas with no trees at all. So sorry about farmers and some gardeners and people who like to mow the grass every other day, but you know, rain is a it's a good thing. But it's a it's a stark difference from uh, I think what was it last year? We just had like yeah. a, a a severe drought, but this year we yeah. have a an abundance. Yeah, la- last year I actually lost some shrubs that I had planted that would normally uh, would would have done perfectly well. I try my best not to water stuff if I don't have to, and because I'm looking for plants for my garden and other people's gardens. They like our weather. Problem is, the weather just keeps on changing. So anyway, what you gonna do, huh, boss? Every ten minutes, what they say: if you don't like the weather, just wait, wait, wait a little while. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, you you wanna hear an insider joke from Northern England where I'm still at? <laughs> Go ahead. Do you you got an <laughs> well, L in your hand? <laughs> uh, no, no, I really don't. Although I have taken a walk this morning, I've, I did about a mile and a half. Uh, anyway, this this part of the country, the the north part of England. It's sort of like our version of the South. You know, people from Boston don't get people from Jackson, and people from Mobile don't get people from Minnesota. But uh, here in the northern part of uh, England, it's kind of rural. People are, you know, real super friendly, laid back, and they chat like like people in the South do. Anyway, they love homemade meat and potato pies. Now, we, we don't do meat and potato pies, but they're small, hand-sized, sort of ready-to-eat pastries, and they're filled with potatoes and chicken and steak or cheese or whatever, a little bit of gravy. It's sort of like comfort food, real traditional. So, uh, you know, it's, they call them pasties and a little hand pie. You know, it's like a, a fried peach pie except it's got meat and potatoes in it. Yeah, like the fried pies you eat for breakfast. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Well, anyway, it's, it's real traditional. They line up and down the block every morning to get fresh in all these local bakeries. And as a matter of fact, I walked over a mile and a half round trip this morning to get to myself. Anyway, the other day I was on a five-mile ramble across the moors, the low hills here, uh, with a local walking group that, by the way, has been in existence and holding weekly walks since 1896. Uh, the, and the hills and streams are covered with wild blueberries and plums and raspberries and blackberries and 
wildflowers like foxglove and heather and lupin. Anyway, one of the other hikers asked me about bees and pollination, about how when bees get when bees get pollen from a flower, the flowers make more pollen, which is a good question. And I explained how pollen from individual flowers is pretty limited. Once that's gone, the flower fades, but luckily there are usually new flowers opening every day, sometimes on the same stem. Anyway, I went a little bit further with a comparison that northern English people readily understand. I said it's like meat and potato pie today, but a day-old pie will do in a pinch. But after that, the pies go off a little. And they, they pointed out to me that now I think in terms of pies, so maybe even honorary northern Englishman. You've been over there too long, Felder. (laughs) (laughs) But you're right. They're sort of like fancy hot pockets, a meat and potato hot pockets. (laughs) But anyway, it's comfort food for people who live in kind of a chilly place because it is chilly. Uh, It's it's, uh, getting all the way up to 59 today. (laughs) As the high? Yeah, yeah, as the high. So anyway, I have to wear a jacket when I go out walking in the morning. But uh, anyway, we're going to be talking about gardening, and uh, I've got some emails to share, but uh, let me throw out that, that there's a couple of, couple of things uh, going on this week uh, that people might be interested in, uh, garden events. This weekend, this coming Saturday, uh, the Oxford Community Garden is going to have an introductory workshop on herbal medicine making. Uh, they're going to have discussions and tastings of things like teas and honeys and oils and vinegars and salves. They're going to show people how to make them. And, uh, you know, what, what part you get out, what part plants to make what. And everybody participates. And it's a free thing, but everybody participates. We're going to be able to make a small jar full of one of these things to take home. Anyway, it's going to start at 2 o'clock on Saturday the 12th. That's tomorrow afternoon at the Oxford Community Garden. The Oxford Community Garden is, is on University uh, in, in Bramlett. Anyway, the workshop is free. It's open to the public. It's going to start at 2 o'clock uh, Saturday afternoon. Next Monday night, the Copiah County Master Gardeners are doing a, a real fun program starting at 6 o'clock. Um, it's going to be at the Copiah County Extension Office. The topic is how to grow your own superfoods, healthy, delicious things like berries and kale and okra and sweet potatoes, things that are pretty easy to grow, even in regular landscapes. Uh, Rosa is going to be uh, conducting the workshop. She's going to have tips on how to teach kids how fun it is to grow and harvest and prepare some of their own food. So anyway, the program again is at 6 p.m. It's coming Monday at the Kapai County Extension Office. It's free, and they're going to have door prizes and refreshments. Well done, Kapai County Master Gardeners. And then uh, I'm not sure if people are interested in commercial musket iron production or really want to have a small backyard vineyard. There's going to be a a, a workshop, a free workshop, to call it a field day, uh, coming up in a couple weeks on Saturday the 26th. Mississippi State's going to have a muscadine grape field day at their research station down, uh, it's pretty close to Poplarville, down uh, near McNeil. Uh, if you're interested in, in, in commercial muscadines or growing your own small little vineyard and want to know about growing them, pruning them, uh, any kind of pest control you might need, and varieties, and want to taste them, they're going to give you a little small bag where you can taste them as you go and write down what you like. Uh, and contact your county extension office. This could be in South Mississippi, uh, down close to Poplarville. I've been to the research station, and uh, they've also got a real nice uh, a demonstration of all different kinds of crepe myrtles. You know, these are really cool crepe myrtles with burgundy leaves and white flowers or red flowers. Anyway, they got lots of those kind of things, too. But if you want information about commercial muscadine grapes or, or home vineyards, this would be a pretty good event. 
Uh, folks, if you got anything I can help promote here on MPB, what well, makes us sort of a, a go-to place to share gardening information, shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. Uh, we're a live program, so if you've got some calls, if you'd like to uh, chat with me about something that's going on in your garden, something weird is happening, maybe you want to try something, or maybe somebody told you something you're just not sure about, uh, you can trust me to say, I don't know if I don't know. But if I think I do know, if something I would do myself or get my mother to do, if it's something I think is practical and doable, I'll give you the best advice I can. Shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org, or give us a call, toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. MPB stands for Mississippi Public Broadcasting, and ring is what it'll do for Sir Kevin Farrell, who's our call screener today. Now, Felder, I got a, I got a quick yeah. question if I can jump in here real quick. Sure. With all of the rain, is there anything, um, you know, I guess if your plant gets or your garden kind of gets oversaturated, is there is there like uh, a remedy? No, not really. You know, as a matter of fact, I, I noticed one of my neighborhood uh, online forums, a friend of mine who grows succulents is having trouble because things that don't like a lot of rain can actually rot from too much rain. And so we're looking at ways to add stuff to our dirt our potting soil to help loosen up to drain better. But, you know, right now with all this rain, lawns are going to grow more lush. Uh, we're going to see more problems with the mushroom, but they're not problems. More mushrooms popping up. We're going to see some diseases, particularly in vegetables and roses. Anything that, that has leaf diseases, they splash around during uh, rainy weather when it's warm like this. We might see some foliage diseases. But, you know, that's just part of it. What you do is you just simply dig a hole and put something in there or Something does pull it, you pull it up, stick something else in that hole. Gardeners take it one foot in front of the other. I tell you what, let's go up to South Haven up in North Mississippi and talk with John. Good morning, John. How are you, sir? Oh, hi, Selma. How are you doing? So far, so good. What's up? Uh, I got a question about cucumbers. Yeah? I planted two cucumbers this year, and one of them is beautiful. It has beautiful vines and beautiful blooms, but no cucumbers. Huh. The other one is not so pretty, but it's putting on pretty good cucumbers. Yeah, the, you know, just, just go, you know, just goes to show you can't be body shaming your cucumber plants, can you? <laughs> Listen, you're right. Can, can can you can you tell the male from the female flowers? I cannot. Okay, it's a little weird thing, but cucumbers are like squash and melons. If you look on the vines, when the flowers first open, some are on the end of a, just a plain little stem. Those are male flowers, and they have pollen. Some are on the end of what looks like a little cucumber, just like a little squash. Those are female flowers. And sometimes if your vine is growing a little too good, a little too much fertilizer, you know, something like that, it tends to grow mostly male flowers. Sometimes, usually the plant will settle down after a while, but you have to have both male and female flowers open at the same time and bees to move the pollen around. So check on the ones that have cucumbers. Notice that their flowers, when they first open on a little cucumber, and see if you have those kind of flowers on your other vine. If not, uh, let's just hold back on the fertilizer and try not to push the plants too much and see if they won't settle down. Okay. I have another question about pears. Pears, okay. Um, I planted a pear tree that had wonderful pears, but fire blight got it. 
Yeah, real common. And I went to the nursery. He recommended a pear tree that was fire blight resistant, and it does put on pears. It resistant fire blight, but they have to be cooked. Can you yep. recommend a pear tree that has pears I can eat out of hand? Um, yeah, the the, 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 the yeah uh, the the first one that comes to mind is a is a specific variety called Orient. It's not the Oriental pear, but it's the one named Orient. Orient is self pollinating, is resistant to fire blight. There's no immune plants, uh, and it's an eating type of pear. The one you have probably is called Kiefer. Starts with a K. It's a great pear, but it's hard. You got to cook it. But Orient is a pretty good disease-resistant pair for most of Mississippi. Okay, great. One other question. Are you yep. familiar with moss roses? Yeah, sure am. Um, I planted some in containers, and they're doing great. I put some in the ground, and they're hardly doing anything. Yeah, you talking, talking about the little ground cover of flower with the little succulent leaves, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, do, they, uh, do they bloom in the winter? No. Matter of fact, they freeze in the winter. They're you know they're they're subtropical plants and they'll freeze when it gets cold. And sometimes they'll reseed themselves and come back for several years. But the reason they they're not doing as well is because moss rose needs hot, dry conditions. And when you put it in the dirt, they tend to stay a little bit wet longer than those in a pot. Now, I have moss rose in a pot that may get watered every two or three or four weeks at the most, and it does great. But in the ground, a lot of times they'll rot or just not bloom. So anyway, better to grow those in a real well-trained soil or raised bed or container and just try not to keep them too wet and enjoy them all summer and fall because they're going to die in the winter. All right, we're going to take a little break, folks. Come back. We've got uh, some cheesy music coming up in a few minutes. Really not that cheesy. It's, uh, it's just downright appropriate. I know it's a wet season, but we're going to be talking about gardening right here on MPB for the entire hour. Rebroadcast on Saturday. Don't forget there's some events coming up you might want to attend. Or shoot me an email if you have some events, garden at mpbonline.org. Or give me a call this morning live at one 877 MPB Ring. I'm Horticulture Silver Rushing. This is Gestalt Gardener, one of many locally produced programs by Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We'll be right back after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Thank you, folks. Welcome back to Horticulture's Felder Rushing. And before we go down to Gulfport and talk with Matt, let me throw this out. Java, in a couple of weeks, we're going to do something a little different with drive time. I understand uh, we're going to do a drive time in August instead of this fall. Is that right? Yeah, it's coming up on August the 25th. That's not next Saturday, but I mean, not next Friday, but the Friday after next. Uh, 
Well, I want to tell folks who are listening to don't be scared because we got some real cheesy music to play. But also, I've come up with something something that's so fun uh, that folks who, who who tune in that day, I've got a uh, a special invention of mine called the Gestalt Garden Viewer. It's going to be a special thank you gift designed and developed by me and available only to supporters of the Gestalt Garden during that drive time in a couple of weeks. Uh, it's a it's a garden viewer. Uh, it's uh, got a little removable garden holder clip made from colorful thread, which, by the way, I got some thread that was woven in Lancashire, England, and uh, it's got accessorized a little b- blue bottle. But anyway, it's something you can use to help uh, uh, sort out the little details and vignettes that can get overwhelmed in a large or complex garden. A little bit more detail on that, but I'm just giving folks a heads up in a couple of weeks. We're going to do a special drive time with cheesy music and a, <laughs> a really special little garden viewer that I'm making myself. Meanwhile, let's go down to Gulfport and talk with Matt. Hey, Matt, thanks for holding, man. What's what's going on? Good morning. I uh, appreciate you taking my call. Sure. I uh, I was, we are building a house in Gulfport, and um, in the front area, uh, it's shaded pretty good with uh, live oak trees. It gets a little morning uh-huh. shade and then maybe some filtered shade throughout yeah. the day. And we're going to put cast iron plants around the oaks and things like that, but I'm I'm wondering about a good ground cover uh, in other areas uh, because it's not going to grow grass uh, yeah, at all. Yeah, yeah um, not. no, it's not going to grow any grass at all, really. Right. And I, I looked at Asiatic jasmine, but it's, when I looked online, it seemed to say that it did best in sun. Um, well, that's just, it's, it's just, it, okay, let, let me, no, Asiatic jasmine is one of the best ground covers for sun or shade. I mean, and a matter of fact, if you'll go over to some of the older places that weren't wiped out by Katrina, go over to uh, to Ocean Springs and just drive around some of the older neighborhoods, Asiatic Jasmine and English Ivy and um, uh, Monkey Grass, uh, not the little Mondo Grass. You want something, the bigger stuff, the, what they call Liriope or Liriope. Those three will grow perfectly well under a live oak tree, perfectly well. Now, the Asiatic Jasmine is going to get a little, take a little bit longer to get uh, established and thick, but once it does, it is a really good ground cover that absorbs and eats the uh, live oak leaves as they fall, you know, because even live oak trees drop their leaves part of the year. But, no, Asian jasmine is great in the shade. Okay. So that sounds like a, a good cho- uh, choice. Uh, do I need to do anything to the soil, or could I, could I just use, like, a, if I was going to plant plugs, could I just use one of those bulb augers or yeah. how would you Okay. Yeah, you know, I, and, and I planned a lot of baby jazz. As a matter of fact, before I ever went to college to study horticulture, I worked at a garden center where one of my jobs was to root the stuff, and I rooted thousands of little plants. They root real, real easy. Um, but anyway, to, to plant them, you, you need to understand it's, it's a little vine, and the roots aren't going to grow this summer. They, they're not going to grow much in the winter. They'll grow a little in the winter and the next spring. So the first year, you want to help them get a good root system. They'll just sort of sit there. They'll spread a little. But the first year, if you can help them get rooted, they will jump the second year. So if you can do a pretty good job with a, a good-sized bulb auger, uh, you know, and, and, and stick them down. You can actually plant them deeper than you can other plants because they'll root up and down the, the stems. Okay. So uh, the main, th- main thing is, you know, a good handful size hole and stick them in there. If you'll check around, garden centers tend to sell them in gallon pots, but there are a lot of places that sell them by the flat, rooted cuttings. They're called liners, L-I-N-E-R-S. 
that the okay. garden centers take, and they put them in big. If you get liners, they're cheaper. They get rooted better. You can spread them out faster and all that. But uh, I would plant them sometime over the fall, in the wintertime, early spring, and just give them a good soaking at least every couple of weeks next summer, and they'll take it from there. Okay. No need to fertilize at all? or. But, you know, if they're little plants, you know, a little sometimes after they start growing in the spring, just a little bit of fertilizer. You don't want to push them too much because they're trying to get rooted. But a little bit of fertilizer scattered over the whole area will help them get established. Just don't push them with too much. And okay. uh, they don't Thanks need to be so kept much. too wet. All right, if you have some more questions about that, shoot me an email. This is uh, ground covers are near and dear to my heart. All right, you have a great day now. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Okay, now let's go up to New Albany. Uh, hey, Bill, how's, how's it going this morning? All right, how are you? So far, so good. You trying to grow well, cherry trees or trying to make cherries? Well, you know, you can only get them my rainier cherries one time a year, and I'm just wondering if I planted the seeds and got some starting, you know, something growing, what's going to be the end result? Will you get cherries worth of anything, or they just don't well. Well, uh, a couple of things, Bill. For one thing, the, the cherry production in the United States is up in Michigan. That'll tell you something. They're a northern plant. They need a long, cold winter just to flower. And they wouldn't have flowered at all this past year, even if you had a 15-year-old tree. See, so they need a cold winter. But if you want to give it a try, I'd start with a small cherry tree for the simple reason that it's grafted. It's already mature. If you plant one from seed, it may take it eight, nine, ten years to get mature enough to even start flowering, whereas a, a store-bought one pretty much ready to go. Okay. Well, I'm going to try that then. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. Good luck on it. All right. Have a good day. All righty. You know, they've been selling cherry trees in Mississippi at least since the 1850s because we have records of a nursery down in New Orleans, uh, Natchez that was selling cherries as early as the 1850s. Unless you live in what I call the icebox, extreme northeast Mississippi, it's not likely, even in a normal winter, that they're going to flower. Cherries do, they need at least a thousand hours, what they call chilling. I don't think we got 300 chilling hours this past year. But if you want to give it a try, again, start with a tree. It's a lot faster than starting from seed. Now let's go uh, over to Brandon. Good morning, Greg. How are you this morning? Good morning, Fowler. Hey, what's up, man? Well, I have a magnolia tree that I have just left the limbs grow from the ground to the top, but some of them are just getting overruled. You try to cut around them, and it's hard to cut around. Is it too uh, late to tr- is it too late to prune a magnolia? Well, if you're cutting a you know if you're pruning a, a, a shrub, it's you know it's probably the last part of the season. But if you're cutting a, a branch off of a limb or a limb off of the trunk without leaving any kind of stubs, just removing it like it was never there, you can do that anytime you want to. Uh, okay. Just don't leave a stub. So if you've got a, but you know, when it goes down, if you want to cut the whole thing off of the trunk, cut it pretty flush. You know, don't cut it flush where it makes a big scar, but cut it as close to the trunk as you can uh, with just leave a little swollen thing instead of a stub. If you're cutting it if parts of it are growing down, you can cut branches that are growing the wrong way flush with branches that are growing the way you want. You know, just the main thing is don't leave any stubs. Okay. Thank you. I, I want to give you one other thing. Somebody's going to say you need to spray that, uh, paint those uh, those wounds with pruning paint. Uh, if, they're in, if their uh, opinion is worth it to you, I would do it, but it doesn't matter to the tree one way or the other. 
But if it okay. makes people think better of you, you know, do it if you make somebody think better of you. <laughs> okay, thank you. Good luck. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. You know, you know, Java. There's so many, many uh, uh, pieces of advice out there that are based on on bad information. I got an email this past week from a fellow who wanted to know if planting uh, Cherokee rose vines around his tree will kill the trees. And I hear it about ivy, about all sorts of stuff. And the fact is, these things will not hurt trees. I get there's so many things I hear that simply aren't true. Um, so, what about the kudzu you know, vine? Well, a kudzu will kill a tree because it can completely grow up over and shade a tree. It's, the tree one year think it's in the full sun, next year it's in total shade. You know, and that's a you know that's a little. Bit, but as far as growing ivy under a tree and it kind of grows up the trunk, that doesn't hurt trees. But I hear people say it does all the time, and it's just simply not true. Hey, listen, you want to play some cheesy music? Yeah, let's. You got a a pretty pretty cool tune uh, today. I already listened to it. Let me let me set this up a little bit. This is uh, done by the Delo Trio, which are from down south of Jackson, a little ways. Is the trio, and uh, I taped this one night. They were they performed it at a at a pub called the Cherokee. The old school people in Jackson all know and dearly miss the Cherokee. But they they performed this one night at the Cherokee, and my request, and their their local folks just want to set it up because it's that time of the year. Hit it, boss. We'll be back with more of the Gestalt Gardener here on MPB. Right there ain't the nothing in the world that I like better than bacon and lettuce and homegrown tomatoes. Up in the morning, out in the garden, pick you a ripe one, don't get a hard one. Plant them in the spring, eat them in the summer. All winter without them is a culinary bummer. I forget all about the planting and the digging. Go out and pick me a big one. Homegrown tomatoes, homegrown tomatoes. What'll I be without homegrown tomatoes? The only two things that money can buy. That's true love and homegrown tomatoes. That's for sure, but there's nothing that a homegrown tomato won't cure. Put them in a salad, put them in a stew. You can make your very own tomato juice. Eat them with eggs, eat them with gravy, eat them with beans, pinto or navy. Put them on the side, put them in the middle, put a homegrown tomato on a hot cake griddle.
graves in every yard you see when i die don't bury me in a box in a cemetery out in the garden be much better and i could be pushing up homegrown tomatoes homegrown tomatoes homegrown tomatoes what'll i feel how homegrown tomatoes the only two things that money can't buy that's true love and homegrown tomatoes homegrown tomatoes homegrown tomatoes This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okay, folks, welcome back. Horticulture's Felder Rushing here at MPB. Hope you enjoyed the D-Lo Trio singing Homegrown Tomatoes. If you've got some music selections that are somehow related to gardening or the seasons or something like that, send it to me. Send me an email if you have questions about your garden. It's something I do as part of this program. Is, uh, not a whole lot of garden program people do this kind of thing, but I try to answer all of my emails as quickly as I can personally. Anyway, it's real easy, garden at mpbonline.org. You want to give us a call this morning. It's toll-free, one eight seven seven mpb ring I'd like to remind folks that the, uh, there's going to be a, a, a herbal medicine-making workshop in Oxford on Saturday afternoon, starting at 2 o'clock at the Oxford Community Garden. Uh, so they're on University down by uh, close to the highway. Our workshop is free. It's open to the public. And folks who come there are going to learn how to make and actually make their own jar full of tea or tincture or honey or oil or salve. You know, it's going to be a lot of fun free and open to the public. And the Kapai County Master Gardens are doing a fun program at 6 o'clock. It's coming Monday, August 14th at the Kapai County Extension Office. The topic is about growing your own superfoods, things like berries and okra and kale and sweet potatoes. Pretty easy to grow stuff, and Rose is going to give you some tips on how to teach kids how to do it themselves and have a good time. Want to give us a call? Toll-free 1-877-MPB-RING. Hey, Java, did you get that picture I sent you of my my, uh, my MPB Gestalt Garden viewer? I did, I did, and I think our um, our pledge our pledge supporters are going to be, uh, you know, thoroughly <laughs> thoroughly it's surprised different. and happy. You know, I've been coming up with these little these little uh, happy things for po- folks who who support MPB during the Gestalt Garden. I've been doing this for a long time. It's so fun coming up with funny little quirky little garden gifts that only only people who who uh, call in during drive time are going to have. That's going to get be in a couple of weeks. Also, uh, Java, you let me play some of the cheesiest music from the from the past few months, aren't you? Oh yeah, we got a, a nice little nice little folder, a nice little crate of uh, of music, and uh, we gonna we gonna have a good time. We always we gonna have a good time. 
there's, there's, there's some weird ones there. I have, a, I have a fun doing this. You know, it's so fun doing a program here at MPB where I don't have to sell anything. I can sort of be myself, and some people don't like it, and I'm okay with that if you don't like it. That's, you know, it's the spice of life. But folks who like to relax and laugh and have a good time and do pretty good uh, or, or better – Without really worried about too much of the details, give us a call one eight seven seven MPB ring. Let's slide up to Batesville and talk to Marie. Is it Marie or Mary? Hey, Marie. Mary. Marie. Howdy. Good morning. You were talking about Asiatic jasmine. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Planted under oak trees. Yeah. Uh, I have two just ordinary oak trees, and I can't get anything to grow under them. The only thing, the two things good about these trees. They provide some nice shade. Uh-huh. They, if you could sell leaves, I'd be a millionaire. <laughs> well, you know, that's what trees do. And when the leaves fall on the ground, believe it or not, do you rake them or just leave them there? I have been, since there's no grass there, I have been having them mowed up. That's perfect. i tell you something you could do that would be amazing is if you'll go to, a, to the co-op or someplace that sells cottonseed meal on a small bag, a pound, a pint jar of cottonseed meal will cover about a 10-foot by 10-foot area. That, uh, that's not much. You sprinkle that stuff out in the fall when the tree leaves fall, and the worms that eat those leaves at night will get big and beefy, and they'll carry them down deeper uh, and make good holes for air and water and roots to grow. And, and they'll make those leaves disappear a lot more quickly. But anyway, Asiatic jasmine does fine under oak tree. If you get a few little pieces started here and there, get them through the first summer, they'll take it from there. And they do great. Well, how how high does this grow? Well, it, you know, you could you, you know, it's, it gets too high to mow with the mower. It's a ground cover. Usually, when I see it under old oak trees where people are growing a long time, they'll take a string trimmer to it every year or two, and it gets about a oh six eight inches deep, something like that. It'll get a little thicker, but again, you can cut it down. Does, uh, does if you don't want does it burn back in the winter? Oh no, it's evergreen, evergreen. You know, matter of fact, not very far from you. You know where Indianola is. Mm-hmm. I, I worked at a garden center in Indianola, and I grew thousands of pieces of this stuff from cuttings every year. And uh, we planted under all sorts of trees and stuff. So, so uh, it's, it's, it's gonna, a great. Ever- this is going to be too tall for me to mow the leaves. Then right, right. But when the leaves fall, they disappear down into the Asiatic jasmine, and the worms take it from there. You could say this stuff eats leaves when they fall on it. They sift down into it. And you never see them. Start How cool is that? I start sprinkling the cottonseed meal. That's right, you know, because kind of sea meal's got, got nitrogen, which helps leaves compost. It also has protein, which feeds the worms that eat the leaves. But all it takes just once, you know, just sometime after the leaves fall, put a little kind of seed meal out there, and you're going to have night crawlers that are going to be scary looking. <laughs> That'll work. And, and, and they eat leaves for a living. And then when the Asiatic jasmine gets started, as the tree leaves fall, they disappear into the Asiatic jasmine. That's one of the sort of botanic They use Asiatic jasmine or monkey grass. Or English ivy. All three of those grow perfectly well and and eat leaves for a living. Thank you. Okay. Enjoy, Marie. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Let's go up to Memphis, Tennessee. Hey, Patricia. How are you, ma'am? I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> so far, so good. Trying to be good this morning. I don't know if it's working. Great. Well, I have a question. <laughs> I bought a house, uh, and it came with a hummingbird bush which is next to the driveway. 
Uh, uh, what's the, wait, wait. What's the hummingbird bush? Well, that's what the lady told me. She called it a hummingbird, <laughs> and it grows. Uh, she has this wire uh, cage going up, and the thing is at least seven foot tall. It goes up, and then the vines from the bush go up and fall down on it. And it has these blooms of these um, bell-like flowers, orange, uh, that are supposed to attract hummingbirds. Huh. Hence, orange hence flowers. Bush. And that's oh, all uh, I know. Are the, are the flowers kind of trumpet-shaped? You can almost stick your thumb yeah, in them? trumpet-shaped. They're trumpet-shaped. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a native vine called trumpet creeper or trumpet vine. And it's sold as a hummingbird vine. But it's our native trumpet vine or trumpet creeper. It's a great plant. And, and what I'd like to know is, you know, like during um, the late fall, winter, it the leaves all drop off it. Should I prune those, uh, you know, do I need to prune those um, limbs back? Well, so that, and, well, here, here's, here's what happened. They, it blooms on new growth. And if you're not careful, this plant can actually be a little invasive. I've got one on a big iron post in my backyard. And every year after dropping its leaves, I cut all the growth back, and I leave stubs that are three or four feet long, so it looks like a big, tall umbrella with no, you know, with the, the umbrella thing. And by, by putting them back to three or four feet tall, and by the way, those stems are real pretty and white. It's a pretty vine, even in the wintertime. So I would cut them back to three or four feet long like an umbrella, uh, the ribs. And then that'll keep it from getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And in the spring, the new growth that comes off of that will cascade and bloom really well. When should I trim them back? Any time after the leaves fall in the fall. I mean, this plant grows all the way up into Canada. Cold weather will not hurt this plant. It's a, it's a great native. So any time after the leaves fall, the hummingbirds are gone by then anyway. Okay. Well, that's uh, because I didn't know what to do with it. And of course, it's bushed out, and then the old growth is underneath there. Uh huh. Well, like I say, if you if you trim it up, look like it, you know, like a, you know, when when you get done pruning, it looks like an umbrella with no fabric left on it, and it'll do great every year. That keeps it a little bit tidier every year, and just give it a haircut all the way around. Okay. Well, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Enjoy. All righty. Good. Good luck. I appreciate your, your your call. Thank you so much. Let's go down to Biloxi. Woo! From Memphis all the way to the Gulf Coast. Hey, Wade. Good morning. Good morning, Doc. Uh, um, I have a question. Uh, I have two of your books. Enjoy ref- referencing to them both, but uh, neither one did it mention olive trees. And so I, I have a self-pollinating olive, and I read about uh-huh. it for containers. Would yeah. you suggest that uh, I put it in a container uh, in full sun, or, or plant it in an area that does that has uh, partial shade? In the ground. Well, the olive, olives could do better in full sun. And, and by the way, the reason I didn't mention olives because you know they're not in my top 100 toughest plants. My books are written for the whole part of the of, of the state in the south, and they don't grow outside very well, much further north than central Mississippi. But uh, it'll actually grow outside all year in the full sun. Uh, you know, down in, in Biloxi with no care at all. It's a real drought tolerant. Mediterranean plant that doesn't need a bunch of water. It doesn't need sunshine, though. Right, and that's okay. So it would be uh, right. It would be better to put them in the container rather than in the ground. No, no, and no. It'd be better in, in the ground. If you put it in a big container, you're going to have to water it. You know, when it gets dry in the ground, it'll get all the rain it needs. But if okay. you are going to put it in the ground, plant it a little on the high side and pile dirt up to it like a 
like a baseball pitcher's mound or put it in a raised bed. Make you a raised bed maybe, oh, five or six feet uh, square, raised up a, a foot or so, and plant it a little on the high side because it needs drainage. When we have our real wet spells, it's native to an area that doesn't get as much rainfall as we do. So uh, right. good drainage is important. So a raised bed or a really big container, either way will do fine. Okay, then. Right. I guess my problem was is that when – I have so much shade in on my property, and I don't want to. And I don't know of a. I looked and looked for a sunny spot in the ground, and yeah. I don't want to plant it there. <laughs> so yeah, but, that's but why I'm got, looking to do it in a container because huh? I, I like it as my patio plant. Like, that, well, there's no problem doing that. I'll put it in as big a container as you can. Uh, make sure your potting soil is really well drained, or if you want to sh- shoot me an email, I'll give you a couple of little uh, tips on how to make good permanent potting soil. You know, it's going to stay drained, won't pack down. But uh, also keep in mind that this plant can be pruned every year to keep it somewhat compact and it'll produce a whole lot better without getting too big for the pot. And I don't mean keep it miniature, but you can keep it on the small side as a specimen rather than let it turn into a shade tree in a big pot. It, 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 you're going you're gonna to need to keep it a medium-sized plant in a pot, not a big plant. And you said prune that uh, annually or semi-annually? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, just, just cut it back. Um, you know, if you'll go online and just Google pictures of olive trees in containers, you'll. I mean, I, I see them uh, even in a downtown. Um, uh, oh, what's the place in Holland? Um, I'm drawing up Amsterdam. They grow them in big pots. Downtown Amsterdam in in the Netherlands, but they bring them in oh, in the wintertime. But but they know. also prune them to keep them getting way too big. That's great. That sounds good. Uh, and what is your email address? It's easy. It's garden at mpbonline.org organization. mpbonline.org garden at mpbonline.org. I, I can't remember all that stuff. Okay, appreciate it, Wade. Good luck on it. Have fun. Thank, thank yeah, we're gonna, all right, we're going to take just a little bit of a break. We're going to come back. We've got uh, some, some phone call from Central Mississippi. Again, there's all sorts of events coming up. Uh, a workshop at the Community Center in Oxford tomorrow afternoon at 2 o'clock. Uh, County Extension uh, Master Guard is doing a fun program on Growing your own superfoods Monday at the Copiah County Extension Office at 6 p.m. If you know of some events, shoot me an email. Or if you have some questions or some comments, or want me to add to something. Or want me to maybe modify my approach to some things. I'm open for suggestions. Not hard-headed at all. Shoot me an email. Garden at mpbonline.org. I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing. You're listening to the Gestalt Garden here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Take a real quick break and come out with more phone calls right after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okay, welcome back. Let's go to Hey, Cheryl, how are you this morning? Uh, Felder, we had a uh, you know sometimes we 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 
Uh, People don't want a hole. <laughs> you didn't put you didn't push the wrong button, did you? No, I didn't. I didn't push the wrong button, Cheryl. If you're still listening, please give us a call back or uh, send an email. But we do have um, Andrew uh, from Jackson, and he wants to talk about his tomato vines. Oh, good morning, Andrew. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. All righty, what's up, man? Well, okay, so. I went to town and my tomato plants got dry, so put out a lot of uh, negative growth. They turned brown, and I came back, and I trimmed off all of the dead stuff and watered them again real good. And now that they're growing again, they're putting roots out along the stems or something. Yeah, that's it just looks like that's hair. Yeah, that's that, that's aerial roots. You know, tomatoes will root. They're they're a vine that will root up and down the stem. When the plant's under stress and we have a lot of moisture and humidity, you know, they'll uh-huh. they'll sprout. They're, they're aerial roots. So you know, that's huh. that's just stress, high humidity, and a lot of rainfall. Well, I've planted a couple of more fresh ones under the ground, and they seem to be coming out. And then. Yeah. So the other question I had was about my fig trees. The fig trees lost a lot of the leaves because of all the rain, I suspect, but now yeah, they're putting out new leaves. And they should put on some new figs, too. A lot of, lot of, lot of figs will do that. Well, the, yeah, I do have a few figs. I just hope I can get to them before the birds and the squirrels. Yeah, you got to keep on top of them. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's pretty, you know, we've had, you know, with our clay soil, and all this rainfall, a lot of plants that are native to, to drier air. I mean, figs are from an area that gets 14 inches of rainfall a year. We get that a month sometimes, it seems like. Right. So that's all right. you can do. That's all you can do is just try to, and, and, you know, in the wintertime, cut them back a little bit to keep them compact. That's about all we can do for figs. Well, I appreciate all that, and I will, uh, I think I might get some more tomatoes off those vines. They're growing again, so. We'll yeah, if you if you can if you can keep them alive through this month, you know, as the days get shorter and it gets a little bit cooler, tomatoes will produce a lot of stuff in in late September, October, even November. You know, they do better in cooler weather if you can just keep them alive or root some of those little, you know, those that have roots on them. Start just some yeah. new plants, and they'll do great this fall. Oh, that's what I'll do. Okay, great. Well, thanks for the info. I appreciate it. Appreciate it, Andrew. Thank you so much, okay. man. Stay uh, stay uh, cool and hydrated. All right. Okay, now let's let's go down to Dennis in Popperville. Hey, Dennis, what's up? Dennis. Hello. Hello. Okay, excuse me. I, I just moved to Popperville, fellas. How you doing? I used to call I'm you fine. several years ago. Uh, the workshop on muscadines up here at the yeah. research center. When will that be? It's going to be on Saturday, August the 26th from 9 till 11. You know where McNeil is? I do. Is, is that I want to say it's Highway 11 or 14, 15 or something. I don't remember what highway it is. Highway 11. I'm, I live right yeah. down the road from it now. Okay. Well, it's at 7 Ben Gill Road. It's, it's right there in Carrier. It's, it's off of Highway 11. Anyway, so they have a, a research station there, and it's going to be from 9 till 11 on Saturday the 26th. Okay, I know what you're talking about. I got one more little question. I just moved here about a year ago in Popville, and we got a real sandy soil. Uh, and yeah. my blueberries does not seem like they're doing so good. What do I need to do with that? You need to work some real Canadian peat moss. This is the only time I really recommend real Canadian peat moss in the soil because it holds moisture, it's acidic, and it lasts a lot longer than compost and bark. But work of some Canadian peat moss in around the roots, 
cover it with a lot of mulch and keep them, you know, give them a good soaking every two or three weeks because they don't naturally grow in sand. They grow naturally in heat bogs. So that's all you need to do. Good to know. Thank you, sir. All right. Appreciate it. Yes. I think we got time to swing up to Columbus. Hey, Gary, how are you, sir? Well, how are you today? So far, so good. I called about a year ago, and I'm a complete amateur at horticulture of any kind, and I asked you for advice on how to turn my weed farm into a real lawn, and you gave me some great advice. Um, My wife and I did exactly what you said, and now a year later we have this beautiful, verdant, green patch all around our house. Yeah. First we wanted to say thank you, and then what we wanted to know next is if – we get nuked here in the next month or so. How do we protect our beautiful lawn from fallout? <laughs> Run in circles, scream and shout. <laughs> Actually, it might make you go, you know, you won't have to fertilize for a while, that's for sure. <laughs> there you go. But, yeah, I just anyway. wanted to say thank you because your advice was fantastic. And as amateurs, I mean, we actually did everything you said, and we ended up with this beautiful lawn now. Well, right now, the, the, from now on, it's mow high, don't over-fertilize, and if you give it a good soaking, oh, excuse me, we don't need any soaking right now. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate your call. Thank you, man. It's my pleasure. Oh, 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 let me ask you this. Did I try to sell you anything with all that advice? <laughs> no, you didn't, but you did recommend a couple of products. So. Okay, and that's all right. It's, it's things I would use myself. I appreciate that feedback, sir, Gary. Thank you, man. Stay cool Thank and you. hydrated. Okay, Java, we're about out of time, aren't we? Yeah, we're sitting on one more minute. We got Daniel and Brandon who wants to grow peppers if you want to talk to them real quick. Yeah, let's do it real quick. Daniel, what's up, man? Got to keep it quick. Okay, uh, I'm growing Carolina Reaper peppers, the world's hottest Woo! peppers, uh, and I'm also growing ghost chilies. I've had fantastic success with my ghost chilies. Um, uh, they're producing fruit, uh, but my uh, Carolina Reapers, they're producing flowers, and they're in smaller pots. They're producing flowers, but no fruit. Yeah. And the vines okay. do not look very healthy at all. Okay. Give them a little half-strength fertilizer like miracle Grow or something like that, just a light shot every couple of three weeks. And those things tend to produce best in the fall. When I've grown them, they didn't produce at all over the summer, but a big buffer crop in the fall. A little bit of half-strength fertilizer, and uh, don't push them too much. And let's see what happens in the next couple of months. And, Felder, we are done. Well, Fooey, I had some other stuff I want to talk about, <laughs> including my favorite roses. You know, I get emails from people all the time saying, yeah, your favorite roses stink. Well, it's my list. But we'll talk about that next week, folks. The Gasol uh, Garden is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. My producer is a laid-back Java Chapman. Our phone greeter is Kevin Farrell. And our director, our boss's boss, Jason Klein, keeps us in line. Hope you stay uh, nice and cool and hydrated the rest of the summer. I know it's really weird weather. We're a ways off from fall. But this is National Farmer's Markets Week. Take a kid to a farmer's market, let them buy something, get them to ask a question about how to prepare it the way the people who grow it do. And most important, show kids how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. See you all next week here on MTV. 